Ride Podcast, talking all things NFL. Now here's your hosts, Root and Y. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Root and Y Show. I am Josh Y. I'm joined by Josh Woot on Twitter at this is Woot. If you didn't, you know, better believe you it. Changed. Um, believe it. It is Woot. Uh, uh, verified. Get at us. Uh, why not? We're due. Um, and hit our hit our guy up, Mike Taglier, from last week to get verified. I still can't believe that. That's a travesty. Uh, all right. So in this episode today, we are talking with uh, one of the goats, Chris Harris. Uh, one of the the. Uh, contrarian? Would you say he's a contrarian fantasy football mind? I feel like he. Well, you know what? I he think view things on his own plane, which is what we like. Yeah, he doesn't. He makes all. He, he wants his own opinion, so he doesn't. You know, he doesn't want it skewed by anyone else's. He does his rankings. I think he will then, once he sees everyone's rankings, he might say, "Oh, wait a minute, I might need to have a go, go back and have another look." But yep. uh, yeah, he's a, like his rankings are really. Just he wants to have an opinion on certain places. Like that's the whole point of this. Yeah. That's why there are so many experts because there's no are point so many having opinions. the exact same set of rankings every week. It's not. Yeah, that's not fun. No. So yep. you know he, he likes having an opinion on these players, and you know he he puts in the the time and the research to you know to have those opinions. And I mean, I love him. I love him. I love him. And he's, he's so enthusiastic about podca- that. It's great. And being doing a podcast by yourself five times a week is so hard. I don't know how he does it. Like. Some episodes here where I have an interview and I've got to do the intro just by myself. I have to. It takes me six goes to get it right. But when you're here, uh, if I stuff up, you can save me and vice versa. Um, is that the correct vice versa? Vice versa? I don't know. There you go. See what I mean? Did I stutter? But before we get into our interview with Chris Harris, uh, I want to make an announcement. I'm just trying to get some suspense here. Uh, <laughs> the Lunar Bowl 2 has all been confirmed. So after the success of Lunar Bowl 1 last year, uh, Lunar Bowl 2 has been confirmed for Lunar Park Sydney. Uh, it is for Super Bowl 52, and it is at the Big Top Sydney, live on three big screens. The pregame Sailgate Party, hosted by a couple of bums called Woot and Why. There's an American buffet and four-and-a-half-hour beverage package. It's $150 per person. American food buffet, 25-inch hot dogs on arrival. You get a souvenir hat and stubby holder on arrival as well. Unlimited ride passes for for the day. Uh, my gosh, did we make use of that last oh year. Oh, my boy. <laughs> uh, it was not the best decision to go on some of those rides after a few bevies, but I enjoyed it. Um, you also get two sideshow games. There's a raffle, um, and money raised on the day from those raffles is going to save our sons, a very, very important charity. Um, and we appreciate the help and support they've given us in Lunar Bowl 1 and Lunar Bowl 2 again. So if you want to buy tickets, um, head to lunarparkvenues.com or email sales at lunarparksydney.com. You can buy individual tickets. You can pre-book a table. Uh, but, yeah, just email them and uh, or speak to our guy, Billy. Uh, we are keen for it. We'll, we'll tweet out the poster, all those details. But we are excited again. I don't know if we're allowed to say how many tickets were sold or not, but I mean it's the it's the second week of the preseason, and there's already been 150 tickets plus plus sold. 151 <laughs> sold already. Yeah. Second week of preseason. Oh my gosh! There's so. going to be a lot of people with the surname Wine wouldn't there. <laughs> <laughs> Large families. I 
petitioned for Emma to just for us to have our wedding on Lunar Ball too, just just to save on catering. But no go, no go, no go. Anyway, uh, we talked about Chris Harris. Here's our interview with him. Joining us on the line is Christopher Harris. He's a six-time Fantasy Sports Writing Association Award winner. He's the host of the award-winning Harris Football Podcast. You can purchase his near 200-page fantasy football almanac on his website, harrisfootball.com, and you can also follow him on Twitter, at harrisfootball. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Third straight year. It's good to have you back. Thank you for having me. I always see him doing something at least not completely wrong because we keep speaking, so I know that I haven't alienated you entirely with my nonsense. Yeah, it's it's good. Um, the the audience seemed to like uh, your analysis, so uh, and we do too. So that's kind of a big reason why we bring you back. <laughs> yep. back your on hands the show. are tied, right? Hey, we wouldn't have him back, but the yeah. audience just freaking loves it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the audience are more sick of us, so they love this part of the season where we have a lot of guests on because it just limits our voice, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so perfect. Uh, all right, so those <laughs> who aren't familiar with you, um, they better start getting familiar with you, but it's commonly known that that you're a film guy. You watch loads and loads of film all off-season to help with your approach to fantasy football. Uh, for those that don't know your work, why do you prefer to rank plays based on film rather than purely looking at the numbers? Well, it, it's funny. So, like, my my latest answer to that question has turned into, I don't really think there are, like, film-only people at all. Like, I think there are either stats only people or there are film and stats people i don't think there's anybody who won't look at numbers they're easy to look at right so like the data dives the excel uh work that isn't very hard to do to look at yards per carry yards per attempt average yards at the catch all that stuff uh it's, you know anybody who has a uh, microsoft office can can look at that stuff <laughs> um so my you know i sort of i, I like to put the two together i like to also have kind of the foundation of also knowing what they look like because in american football i mean this is what we're talking about right it is the most complex of interactions people want to take statistical analysis from much more stable sample sizes in other sports and bring it on to the nfl and uh just i'm not of the mind that two plays are ever really repeated and that a five-yard run can be terrible or it can be great, and it's very difficult to only look at numbers and decide who's good. So, I, you know, I think the reason why more people don't watch film is because it takes a really long time. It's really hard. And uh, so, like, I fortunately just find myself in a position where I have the time. So I, I do it as a surrogate for all of us. <laughs> and we, we appreciate it. Yeah. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> just a self-sacrificer is what I am. <laughs> Okay, uh, we'll we'll start off. Is there is there a rookie or a, a second year player that you've watched on tape over the summer that uh, you, his his film changed your original opinion of him? We know we know you were pretty high, and r- rightly so on Melvin Gordon last year, and that worked out well. Mm. Do you ha- do you have anyone like that this year? So the one who leaps to mind immediately, there's there's actually a couple that leap to mind, um, and one of them, but the first person who came into my mind is Gordon's teammate Hunter Henry. And there's all sorts of reasons to be suspicious. I mean, I think it was like 36 catches and like nine touchdowns or eight touchdowns. Like that's a ratio that makes you think of Mercedes Lewis. It's it's usually the automatic regression. You just say, ah, rule it out. That kind of touchdown ratio can't possibly continue. And it maybe can't because Antonio Gates is still there and he's got his eyes 
on the tight end touchdown career record. And and by the end of last year, Hunter Henry wasn't playing a lot when Gates was healthy. But I can see a world where Henry takes that over because I really didn't leave the season's film, like during the season, with this super strong impression of Henry. And then I watched uh, a bunch of his film again. And you just don't really see players that size who can move like that and can bend like that and can catch passes thrown down at their feet and behind their head and one-handed grabs. There are skills there that I just haven't seen in very many young tight ends. And it may not be this year. I think he's going to be a superstar at some point. I think he's legitimately going to be great. And then the other player that came to mind, even though I'm less sure about, I guess I'm not sure about either situation, but Ty Montgomery definitely impressed me as someone who I didn't have an appreciation for as much last year. There are still weaknesses in his game. I don't think he's ever going to be the full between the tackles, touch it 25 times a game, be Zeke Elliott, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. But it feels to me like the NFL is sort of moving in his direction where he can play a lot of snaps in a lot of varied ways. And fine, let's give Jamal Williams the goal line or let's let them throw on the goal line. I still think there's a pretty safe floor there for Montgomery. Uh, good instincts, kind of a slashing runner. Not not powerful, a little upright. If he's not, if he doesn't get going, he gets knocked down on first contact, which you don't love. But uh, catches the ball so well, obviously converted a receiver and um, just great hands and doesn't isn't just a dump off guy can really run pass patterns. So I, I think I came out feeling like he was maybe a little more of polished running back than I expected. Wow. Yeah, I like both of those. I I I. I... It's it's also been mentioned that you know the Chargers were really focused on helping Gates last year tr- try to reach that record, and now that you know mm-hmm. he, he's kind of within striking range now that you know Hunter Henry's going to see a, a a greater workload. Right. I mean, you can certainly paint that p- picture. You could also paint the picture that says it's his last year, and he's going to by golly hang yeah, on to that true. job. <laughs> like, I, it, I get it. It's completely a risky thing. To I think I rank him nine among tight ends, so it's a completely risky thing to say. Oh, he's my starting fantasy tight end and i don't know if he's a starter in the nfl but i i am a real believer in the talent i i with hunter henry it's like you know, gates would be like you could pry this starting job from my cold dead hands you know like <laughs> but i i've always i've got a big man crush on hunter henry he won me a lot of games last year uh ty montgomery you mentioned jamal williams are you are you not concerned about ty montgomery's sort of pass protection and what jamal williams can bring to the table in that regard keeping sort of Montgomery off the field, or do you think maybe Montgomery's passing ability is too good to keep off the field on third downs? I think in the end, if we're believing things that beat reporters say based on a couple of observations and a couple of drills, we're probably doing ourselves a disservice. I think the safest thing to say is we don't know. But I'll say there aren't too many rookie running backs who come into the league like Zeke Elliott did, where pass protection is sort of what he did at Ohio State. He was awesome at it. I don't know Jamal Williams' pass protection at BYU. Like, I'm just going to assume it probably was just like every other college kid where he could handle the lesser athletes uh, that he had to play against at BYU. But in the NFL, I'd imagine there's probably some struggles. Um, I I think my answer is, could it work out that way? Absolutely could. But I don't think I flipped the panic switch because a beat reporter had a bad taco the night before. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I love that. All right. Uh, with all this Zeke news, I think I think it's thrown the fantasy community into you know a, 
Various states. Yeah, spiral. Various states of mind. What's what's your approach to <laughs> Zeke now? Uh, you know, there's people that are you know that are firm believers that you know they should still be drafting him. You know, mid second round, and then you have you know people that are just kind of just staying clear of him altogether. What, what's what's your approach? Yeah, it is. It is, it is like the stages of grief, right? It's like <laughs> how, where, how far along are you with the denial? Um, <laughs> I rank him right now as a like a late third rounder, so I guess I'm not going to get him in the middle of the second. But, I mean, of course I understand what people are saying. It kind of just comes down to maybe the kind of league that you're in. And I, I think I'm in leagues where I would be punished severely for depth-wise at other positions. I would have to just nail it at, at several other picks for me to be competitive for the seven weeks that I have to deal without Zeke. Um but there are going to be some leagues where it's not as painful, right? There's just going to be some where you can deal with it and you weather the storm. And I was in a CBS expert draft a couple days ago. Maybe that was yesterday. Oh, the time. Um, <laughs> where it's a it's a 12-teamer and the number the guy with the number one at the turn, he took Zeke. So he has David Johnson and Zeke Elliott. And, of course, you can 100% understand that risk and yep. taking that shot. And it, if it works out, oh, my God, it's a complete grand slam like it's awesome i want you know i i i had that option in the flex draft in new york city on saturday i had the one i took Le'Veon bell and it came around and zeke was there and i thought about it but i wound up it's a half point perception i wound up taking des bryant and amari cooper right and feeling like all right I, I just it's the exact opposite move it may not be a league winning move but i just felt like it was going to keep me in it and uh that may be the right approach for some leagues where I feel like scarcity is more of an issue and the waiver wire is more competitive. And then some other leagues I can absolutely see shooting the moon, hoping there's a simple answer in Darren McFadden and taking him. I don't know. Where would you guys take Darren? Like, I think you might have to take him like the fifth round. Just make sure you get him. <laughs> yeah. I think his value uh, like, goes up. If you, if you own Zeke, I think you have to buy it earlier on Darren. Like, Let's say you did. Let's say you guys are doing a draft right now. Cause it's totally defensible yeah. to go, second mid second round so let's say you're in a draft together you're having you have to fight this out together and you know what whatever like What's pick new? 20 <laughs> pick 20 you, you take zeke where's the panic level on mcfadden and how early do you wind up pulling the trigger yeah yeah it, it is really difficult it, and i mean i'm i'm actually asking though well, where would you guys take him <laughs> well it depends like it's uh, this is me if, if Woot took zeke i would take mcfadden really early because i know it would annoy Josh. But <laughs> just I, I, well, let's, I'm just saying, let's say you're sharing a team. Let's yeah, say it's okay. one to like. I, I would probably. Oh, man. Pick 20. I'd say I, fifth, sixth turn. Yeah, I think that would be where I would be comfortable. Because I think you're approaching it as if you're getting an RB1 with Darren into Zeke. I think you're investing two picks on a running back one in your first six, and then you can approach maybe a later round running back uh, someone like Doug Martin or like Amir Abdullah or something later on, and then you can roll with yeah. that. So that would probably be my approach. Yeah. No, I, right. I, I mean, it's, it, it sounds good. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no, no I, I was just going to concur with what Y said. I, I agree with his evaluation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's totally d- defensible, but it also could – I mean, what if Alfred Morris is the answer? What if yeah. he's in the committee and neither one of them and you're just – stuck for two months and you come out of it two and five and you're not even in your playoffs right it it can happen but i guess managing scared is a bad way to manage like it's it's there's not a 
there will wind up being a right answer, but I think anybody who says they know for sure what to do and this is automatically it, like we're not, we don't have a crystal, we don't have a crystal ball. Like it's not really built that way. If I draft Zeke and McFadden and Alfred Morris starts, that would be <laughs> the worst case scenario. I, I guess you could uh, counteract it by not even taking McFadden at all and just saying I'm willing to be down. I'm I'm willing to stream for six weeks until Zeke comes back and that way you can still just approach your draft normally and instead of taking Darren McFadden at round six you can take someone that's going to actually contribute on a week-to-week basis like as I mentioned before like a Doug uh, not a Doug Martin obviously suspended but Amir Abdullah or a Tevin Coleman or someone like that yeah I mean and and tell me this I'm just asking you questions on your own podcast but like (laughs) we're cool it's it's a habit from my own podcast I guess but like what's the percent chance that you think Zeke comes back and it's just not right. Like mm. there's something wrong with him or the Cowboys are just completely have fallen off the rails because just controversy in there two and five themselves. And there, you know, there's just sort of, it's not a good situation and it never sort of clicks. What, like, is there a, I don't think there's a 0% chance that happens. Yeah, no, it's, I don't think there's a 0% chance. I think it, you know, there's, there's obviously, there's always a chance with anything, especially in fantasy football. But I mean, I think that, you know, the six games, if it, if it remains six games, he has the six games, then it's the seven, set, week seven is the Cowboys five. So that also right. gives him preparation. Like I kind of, two weeks. Yeah. Yep. Like, I kind of, be all right. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, That'll be fine, especially with the fans just demanding to see Zeke's number out there. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, I guess like you could say, what if they're one and six? And you could also say, what if they're or one and five? Or you could also say, what if they're five and one? Right. Everything's perfect. And McFadden's been a stud. Like I have to I think there's a 20 percent chance that if Zeke Elliott comes back in week eight, He's not the Zeke Elliott of last year. Now I'm not saying you know 20. percent That's an easy. It's a pretty risk free thing for me to say because it can't be disproven, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I said 20, yeah. percent but like there is some. Pro- <laughs> I mean, how long were we waiting for Josh Gordon to come back that year? Don't like, open. He'll save you. Don't open my Josh Gordon wounds, Chris. <laughs> right, but I, you know what I'm saying. Like it's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I I'm not saying I won't do it. But I didn't do it. Yep. I, I think it's interesting. But I, yeah, I mean, you, you certainly would look if he's right, and you had one of those other stud running backs, you'd look unconquerable in the playoffs. It, I'm going to flip it around the other way. What's the percentage chance that Zeke's appeal gets, you know, not mm. delays, and he misses zero games this year, and the suspensions next year? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've you know, I'm not a reporter. I would. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. I'll I'll say twenty percent again. That just <laughs> I, right, right, right. Oh, it's fifty fifty. Yeah. No, I, I I would say um, I don't think the league reduces the suspension. I kind of think it's either zero games or six games because I mean they're idiots. The only people who run the league do not understand public relations. There's no question about it. So no. I'm probably assuming rationality where none exists. But yep. you screwed up Ray Rice. You screwed up. Uh, Josh Brown, you screwed up Greg Hardy. Like, you can't say, oh, that was six games worth of hitting a woman. And no, no, now we changed our mind. It's four games worth of hitting a woman. Like, (laughs) you can't do it anymore. Like, you have to just say it's six. So then it comes down to, is there an injunction from court? And I I can't answer that. I don't know the likelihood of that. Um, I don't think anyone can. But I I hope that the NFL is not in the business of having Zeke come in and kiss Roger Goodell's ring and and Roger Goodell likes it and so he goes four. You know, I, I just think that would be a yep. another, another 
terrible mark for the NFL. Yeah, I uh, yeah go all in, sort of just stick to your gun sort of thing and just yeah see how we go. All right, uh, who's the player you get asked the most about uh, from your rankings, you know, whether that's experts on your show or just people, you know, writing in or tweeting you or sending you emails? Um, until this week, it was a combo of Keenan Allen and Tyler Eifert because I had given them very, very low provisional ranks until I saw them running around and taking hits and stuff. And so I did week one, like I saw it. So I was able to put them where, you know, a little lower than the market is on them, but, but to it's sane. So no, I'm not getting asked about them as much anymore. Um, you know, maybe Martellus Bennett, I'm definitely getting asked about him a bunch because I have him five among tight ends and there now appears to be, um, a feeling that no, the green Bay system just can't produce good fantasy tight ends because it hasn't for a long time. Wow. I don't and understand that. Cause really Michael Finley was amazing. Yeah. Sure. I mean, he was, it was a, it was a little blip, you know, it was a little glimpse of in time, but I, I don't think there's anything about the system. In fact, this is the system is a West coast system. It's perfect for a tight end. It's exactly what it's designed to do is it, it's not going down the field. It is throwing a little hook to a tight end all the time. It's, it is looking for them in the red zone going horizontally and not laterally. So it hasn't happened lately. Uh, but I, I still think it's sort of paint by numbers analysis to just go, Oh, well too many mouths. Sorry. Uh, I, I think he's a good enough player. I think last year he was dealing with a high ankle sprain and that explains some of the up and down work. If it winds up looking like it did last year with the Patriots, where there were a lot of mouths and there wasn't a lot of emphasis on him, it's a pretty bad call. Like I, I'm, I'm cool admitting that, but I feel like that what you need as a baseline from a from a tight end is 606, you know, like 600 yards receiving and six touchdowns. Yep. Boy, I I just think if he's healthy, how's not how's a player as good as Martellus Bennett with a quarterback as good as Aaron Rodgers, who once threw a whole lot of touchdowns to Richard Rodgers, not going to give you at least that. And then there's a potential for a lot more than that. Yeah. I, I recognize that it might not work out that way, but I I am sort of all aboard on Martellus Bennett. Yeah, I think he's the most talented tight end they've had since Finley. So maybe it's a talent problem, not a scheme problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Um, who who are some players that you just won't own in 2017 because you know either you just you don't like what you've seen or the price is far too high? Uh, let's see. I mean, one that comes to mind, and it's not about not liking the player at all. It's it's uh, just about the price. Mike Gillisley comes to mind. Um, because I can't believe the I can't believe the price. Like I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's like late third, early fourth. Yeah, he's, for, he's he's going. I think in the fourth round. I've seen him taken in some leagues, especially standard, as high as the third round. It it feels like a big leap that the market is taking. To and there are fantasy experts who've been on my show who are like, "What are your What is your Mike Gillisley rank? What are you doing, dude? Like, it, how is it not Garrett Blunt's role?" And it might be. It might be. And if it is, if it's a 15 touchdown roll, it's too, ever, we're all too low, right? But <laughs> I am not ready to just say that's a perfect comparison. Um, this has nothing to do with worrying about training camp or the hamstring or anything like that. I, I'm sure in a matter of a few weeks he'll be okay. I'm not sure, but I assume. Um, I, I just don't, I don't take it as an article of faith that the Patriots want one person to do that. I, they did last year. But it's like, I don't know. I'm not mocking the position that Gillisley is a double-digit touchdown guy because I think it's possible. I just think the market isn't pricing in the possibility that he's not yep. uh, at that. you know. And if he's not, 
then what is he a, a 800 total yard guy like i i like him fine i think he's a nice sort of slashing power back and he was good inside the five for the bills last year um so he can handle that role i'm not sure he gets that role and i, I i'm pretty sure he's really not a super dynamic player and the yards per carry last year were just watch the film. You'll see how many long of his long runs that influenced that yards per carry were entirely about a defense just falling asleep and him running for 30 yards with nobody touching him. That 49er game was insane. It's like three long runs. Yeah. Without that game, I think his yards per carry is like two yards lower, and the Niners just had no interest in tackling him. So uh, he's not that player. He's he's not that yards per carry hero special player. This comes down to touchdowns, uh, and I think, like I said – if the market is pricing him as though he's a special player, I think they're making a mistake. And then I think they're also making a mistake just for not pricing in the possibility that he gets seven and Burkhead gets five and James White gets six. Yep. You know, I, just, I, I think that's on the table. Plus they gave Burkhead a, a stack of guaranteed money. Like they wouldn't bring him in if they didn't think they were going to use him. Yeah, I mean, there's first of all, he's to make the team. I think to get two million of that, yep. it's like he can be cut for one. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, I think the Patriots maybe. I think a lot of organizations actually don't think that way. Probably that they don't feel pot committed by the fact they have an investment. Yep. Um, they they if they make a mistake, they feel like they make a mistake. I mean, Roberto Aguayo just got cut. You know, um, but like, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, I. I think Gillisley's a better player than Rex Burkhead, but I think they do different things. And I think Burkhead, for being a smaller guy, is pretty physical. He's not fast. He's really slow, actually. But uh, I think he could be fine on the goal line, too. He was in a Week 17 cameo last year, had a couple of short scores. Like, it's on the table. And if Deion Lewis makes that team, I actually think he's kind of good in short yardage. I'm not looking for trouble. I get that it's a possibility um, that Gillisley is is a pure double-digit touchdown player. But I think it's just just such a high price to have to find out. Yep. Uh, Amir Abdullah is a player that's pretty div- divisive in the fantasy community from what we can tell on, on various podcasts and, and Twitter and the like. Uh, I note you have him as your 82nd uh, player overall in your PPR. And I did lose him. There he is 91st in your standard scoring. What's your thoughts mm. on Amir Abdullah this year and that line's, Running back situation, obviously, we've got Theo Riddick lurking in the background, and, and Zach Zenner very good in short yardage situations. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if Zenner's good in short yardage. I I have yet to see that. I, he's a sort of a bowling ball, but I, yep. I, I'm i maybe curious if someone else, they can find someone else to take that short yardage. Maybe Dwayne Washington. I think Dwayne Washington is actually maybe kind of a good prospect. Anyway, what am I rambling about? You asked about America. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, we know it's that, all relevant. We know that. We know that neither Abdullah nor Riddick is likely to be the one-yard touchdown maker. Yeah. We also don't know exactly how many one-yard touchdowns any given team's going to have, so I won't obsess over that. Um, my position on Abdullah is, I mean, I get if he has real heavy boosters, I guess I get that they see Devontae Freeman. They want him to be, yes, small, but able to withstand and can run between the tackles a little bit and then make hay on the perimeter. And I guess maybe if you squint, you can see that. But, man, there's a lot of problems. I mean, first of all, just durability. And then uh, fumbling, you know. And then I'm not sure he quite is at that level speed-wise. He is quick. He's very quick. I mean, he's as quick as Devontae Freeman. He is mm-hmm. laterally excellent. Um, 
but you know, I, I specifically remember the three of us talking about Amir Abdullah two years ago because we might have yeah. talked right after the yeah. cut heard around the world against the Jets in the preseason where he made someone fall down. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and again, I felt like people are just going bananas on this player where they haven't seen anything from him yet. I, I think the, so. This Lions team doesn't want to run, and that is okay because the p- short passing game is so prevalent, and it's. What Abdullah can do that just fine. So if, if it's an extension of the run or a placement for the run, there's still plenty of yards there. There should be lots of catches there too. Um, but I think at this point, the Lions have to look at this like, it, no matter what they say, they have to in the in their heart of hearts, they have to know that more than 15 touches a game, he's going to break again because he did, he's broken twice. Yeah. And I think the whole plan has to be just keep. Keep everybody fresh. Keep running him in. Keep running him in. And in that regard, they're like 23 other teams. It's not a massive red mark against, but uh, a poor offensive line made poorer by a left tackle injury. Uh, just I don't imagine there's a lot to be excited about. I don't know if I – there's a lot of – Matthew Stafford's the one I want to own there, to be honest. I think the rest of them feel like kind of interchangeable parts. Yep, cool. Um, you mentioned that we we've spoken previously about Amir Abdullah, another player that we talk. We seem to talk to you every year about. Uh, that's Doug Martin. I think it's our yearly Doug Martin yeah. meeting with Chris. Every year. <laughs> Do we have like a sound up that we can throw in there, just like a uh, music we, intro? We'll, 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 we'll try I'll, to find I'll try and draw something up uh, <laughs> post edit. I'll see what I can come up with. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, every every year there's something with him. In 2015, we we called our pod uh, the biting the Doug Martin apple, and we were all in, and we were we were we were all on the same wave regarding his bounce back. And then in 2016, we were the the injuries let us down a bit, but we you know we were it was it was okay on a points per game basis. But now in 2017, he look he he looks to be in shape, but he has that four game suspension looming. So Chris Harris. How are you approaching <laughs> Dougie Fresh in 2017? Are we are we biting the apple again? <laughs> so I, I have wound up with him in some drafts, and yet I think people have told me like I I haven't done the thorough ADP analysis yet because as we always talk about I sort of try to spend the first week two weeks of August really keeping my own opinion my own opinion and not knowing the market all that well because i don't want to bend and just go oh no i'm wrong on this guy like i want my opinion so so i'm not as well versed in the in in, but i've been told adp wise that i'm actually lower on him than the market is and therefore the reason i must be getting him in drafts is that other experts hate him (laughs) other people (laughs) in these like just just really are really staying away Hmm. um and and so there you're not going to find me uh, you know, not going to find me complaining about the ability because he's terrific. But he's never, you know, it's three out of four years that have been ruined by injury. And it's tough to say he comes back after the three game suspension and is not hurt again because you keep seeing him get hurt. And especially when it's the soft tissue injuries, you just go, dude, like something's going on. Come on. We got to stop pulling hamstrings. We got to stop having quad problems, you know, and yeah. um, do feel like preparation issues or over preparation issues or substance issues or you know and um so where i am on him is there's certainly no other tampa running back that i would rather own and uh i view in in my ranks i view him as uh, 
I think I have him like in the seventh or eighth round, maybe something like that. And I think he goes higher than that. And and I think he's more like ADP fifth. And yeah. so I guess that means I'm down on him relative to the market. Then explain why he's on like three of my teams. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> um, looking like just a brief look at fantasy pros. Uh, he's the 33rd ranked running back on like consensus there, like on the average. And uh, you see on your site, you've got him at 32. So you're uh, you're around pretty much the market without even looking at it at all. So uh, impressive. Yes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> for someone who doesn't, well, you know, want to buy into everyone else's rankings, that's pretty spot on. <laughs> I, I nailed, nailed um, it. Well, just looking at fantasy football calculator, just as we were talking, yeah. it looks like he's in a standard. He's fifty-five overall. Okay, wow. And I think so, yeah, he was like, like in the eighties. I have him like eighty-two or something. Yeah. And I don't. Does fantasy pros have a have an overall there? Can you look at their overall? Uh, the uh, ADP is thirty. Uh, oh, hold on, that's not it. That is, that's running backs. Yeah, yeah, that's running backs. But I'm trying to check the ADP overall uh, for Doug Martin. It's let me. Yeah, they've got 69 there. So fantasy football calculator says 55. The AD, the consensus fantasy pros says 69, and I say like nice. 82. So how <laughs> in the world am I getting? I have I have them on three teams that I have to play out. I yeah. don't know how this. I don't, who, who are these fantasy pros who are? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just too good not at drafting. Happy. You're just too good. <laughs> I just mesmerized them. And well, like, uh, you know, th- that one feels like, uh, you know, that's a risk. That's a big risk because you you can't feel, you know, he might play fine for three weeks after he comes back from his suspension, but you can never feel comfortable that he won't do something stupid and get suspended again. Like it could absolutely happen. Yep. And I, for me, that's on the table and that's kind of behind the, the being scared. That's the scaredy cat rank on, on a player I do really. And I know you guys like. Yeah, we yeah. both like him, but we've both been burned in the past. Yeah, <laughs> we've been scorned. We're sure. we're, lo- we're ex-lovers that don't want to go down that road again, you know? Uh, well, like two years ago, what, was he RB3 two years ago? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure why I took him, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, it's hard. He's tempting there. Like, you can ride that wave and get that high, but then the lows are, are very, very low. So uh, yeah. he's that, that risk-reward style player. Another sort of... Uh, Running back going around that same sort of seventh, eighth round range is Bilal Powell. How do you approach, mm. you know, a, a running back, you know, that's going to get a lot of usage, but on an offense that's not going to score a whole heap of points, or you know, the scoring opportunities have a fairly low ceiling. I'll tell you, I don't want any part of any Jets. I'm just off. I'm, I'm, there's not going to be a come a point where I'm going to get him. You know, yep. I know now Powell market wise is starting to really extend himself out in front of Forte, and I've actually now been talking with people who do this for a living, and and they're all saying I kind of like Forte now. You know, I'll I'll take Matt Forte in the. I don't even know. I mean, I don't think Matt Forte is going in the top hundred. You know, and and Bilal Powell's going sixty something. And I don't know that I agree there's a split there. Like I, I, People who think that the Jets need to get rid of Matt Forte so they can go, get a good long look at Bilal Powell, he's 29. Like he, He's not <laughs> going to be there when they're good. You know, he's, he and Matt Forte will both be somewhere on a beach. You know, not, maybe they'll be visiting you guys, yeah. uh, but not, uh, not participating in any goodness that the Jets have to offer. I don't know. I mean, I get, I get that you say, oh, well, maybe there's a lot of empty calorie come from behind work there and so maybe there's real value but not in the sixth round that's not a lot of value to get in the sixth round like i would like some touchdowns and i don't imagine the jets are going to score very many of those and if i put it this way this is true for 
I'd rather be you know, taking McFadden there. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, put it, let, let me put it this way. Uh, you know, for the theory that goes, take the bad, re- take the receiver on the bad team. There's got to be some targets. Take the quarterback on the bad team. He's always playing from behind. Take the running back on the bad team who catches it because there's a lot of empty stuff there for him. Like, if that were true, wouldn't the fantasy leagues every year be dominated by players on crappy teams? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, and exactly. they're pretty well not. And, and I guess that's I'm overstating the case because nobody's saying take Lyle Powell in the third round. Like, no. but for me, the sixth is is super high and i mean you know you listen to my show i don't think he's anything special talent wise i think people are just sort of buying into this mythological give me give me a hundred targets darn it give me a thousand total yards and i i just if it's three touchdowns it doesn't excite me yeah and it's it's i I look at the whole jet situation and i just i I wonder about what approach they're just going to have to the season in general so if if they're you know if they're all about you know, losing and just, you know, collapsing for the season so they have the number one pick, which I don't think they're going to have too much competition for. But I think, like, that, I would be throwing Forte out there. Like, I, I see Bilal Powell as being the one, you know, if they're trying to be competitive, they'd be rolling with Powell. But I, I, I think that Forte would be, you know, their, their running back that they'd roll out there if they were just, you know, happy to... <laughs> That's harsh. Blau Powell's not a better player than Matt Forte. They're both old. Like I, they're, Forte's fine. Forte's a good player. He just got hurt last year. I mean, that's what happens when you give Matt Forte 30 carries in a game yeah. at age 30. Yeah. Like, gets hurt. He's fine. He's still okay. I mean, I don't. I guess nobody really knows. He hasn't practiced yet. We try and Forte the under the bus in a big spot. I, I had him in a lot of leagues last year, and he has hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> if you well, haven't I mean, noticed, Chris, we're vengeful fantasy players. <laughs> right. Well, you know, he was. If you had him in that Buffalo game with the thirty carries and the two long touchdowns or whatever, you know, that was a pretty good game to have him. But um, I'm sure I had him on the bench. <laughs> it got rough. After that. Uh, one question, another question I have for you is, you know, obviously it was only the preseason um, and first game, but you know, seeing Mitch Trubisky play the way he did, and we still don't know whether he, how many games he'll play or if he'll play at all, but. Would your rankings for someone like Cameron Meredith change if you knew Trubisky was playing the entire season as opposed to to Mike Glennon or at least a substantial amount of the season? No, a thousand times no. I don't think Mitch Trubisky's ready to play. Yep. Um, good, good on him for rolling out and looking pretty athletic. I think those are the things we knew he could do. Yep. You know, we know we know it's a pretty good athlete. I uh, just don't. I don't think he's ready. He, it, it's you know weirder things have happened, but honestly, not many weirder. Like, when's the last time the one-year starter from college came into the NFL and was instantly ready to be good? It just is very – and plus he wasn't playing a pro-style offense, which none of them do, but still he's got lots and lots to learn. Uh, the reason you're rolling out a kid like that is because you don't want him to read the full the full field, which defenses know. So once they see him roll, they can cheat to the side that he's going to throw to. It's uh, – I, you know, maybe the answer is Cam Newton, by the way, for my little trivia question to myself, because, because Cam Newton really did only have the one year at Auburn. But uh, <laughs> it wasn't so much an issue of, you know, there were there were extenuating circumstances with old Cam and he was kind of winner in college and he kind of, you know, he's kind of won the Heisman and was kind of pretty good. And yep. so I, I'm not going to say it's quite equivalent. This is this is going to be. I mean, if you'd asked me the same question about Dak Prescott last year, I'd have been like, "You're idiots! Dak Prescott's not going to be a star right away, you fools!" <laughs> like, so this is just curmudgeonly on my part. 
I wish you but, had uh, the entire podcast in that voice. That would be very funny. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, old, old curmudgeon man's voice. Yeah. But like, uh, I I don't imagine I'm gonna be very interested in Mitch Trubisky or his uh, or or hiking his weapons particularly high as a result of Trubisky yep. playing. Cameron Meredith. I, I mentioned him, but I see you've got him at 36 uh, amongst PPR scoring amongst wide receivers. Obviously, prefer him over over Kevin White and and the Bears' other weapons if you are forced to choose one. Yeah, I mean, um, with Kevin White, it just it, it's an easy cop out to just say his leg's just going to snap. So what do I want him for? You know, I, I wound up I've wound up with him in some late rounds though, because nobody else seems to want him at all. I guess um, I, there are people in Chicago who will tell you that they think Cameron Meredith is actually a better athlete than Kevin White, yeah. and I'm not sure I necessarily agree, but I haven't seen a lot of – I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Kevin Wade on the field, period. But the couple of games that he played last year, I didn't see him do anything spectacular athletically. He didn't look like a sub 4-4-40 guy in those couple of games. The usage was a couple of deep passes before Jay Cutler got hurt where they didn't connect. And after that, it was all a lot of sort of dump-offs, just try to get the ball in Kevin White's hands and have him make something happen and – uh, he didn't. So I, I'm not sure I see the freak athlete that the Bears thought they were getting when they took a top, spent a top 10 pick on him. And therefore, uh, Meredith, also a, a good athlete, a different kind of body, maybe a little slighter, uh, but also tall and should be able to be a red zone weapon and was significantly better last year. Uh, I, I would err on the side of him. There's There's some fun appeal there. I mean, Probably we only saw him scratch the surface last year. Converted quarterback, uh, Illinois State, I think. And he's really never done this before. He's just sort of figuring out how to run routes. Uh, I, I'm alarmed by the idea that at the end of last year, he's losing looks and touches and everything else to the Josh Bellamy's of the world. He's just sort of not getting open. But um, there's some fun potential with Meredith. And there's some fun, fun potential with White. You just don't have to pay a price to see it. Yeah, I've still I've still got White in a dynasty league, and I'm just you know I'm just letting him sit there. I've got no, uh, no expectations for him. I'll give Me you too, a- absolutely. I have him sitting on my bench. I I actually have to make a contract decision on him. This is a league with contracts, and I have to decide whether to extend him before the season starts. Oh, nice. Or else let him play out his contract and probably lose him. And it's like uh, I don't think I want to extend him. <laughs> I don't. I don't. You know, it costs money, fake money, to extend these guys, and like I don't think I want to necessarily be tied to Kevin White's fractured leg is that an rso league it is not okay. it is a self it's la liga lebowski oh wow so you probably oh, yes. occasionally yep. hear us talk about it on the show yep. it's uh sort of a self-created league it has some of the reality sports online principles in it yep. uh but i i think i invented the league before rso existed so oh. so there you go <laughs> there will be uh, lawyers before it was cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um it, it does have it has a salary cap and sort of accelerating contracts and yep. Uh, franchise tags and transition tags and player holdouts and it's pretty fun. Uh, Josh, before we go on, you say you own Kevin White in the RSO league that we have. I'll give you a packet of burger rings and three bobby pins. For him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. So, <laughs> I think I think a lot of the uh, you know fantasy community and just experts in general us. Are slightly, uh, you know, going away from Lamar Miller, but you, you seem to have him uh, over um, Howard and Gurley, which I think the general consensus has has them flipped. Yeah, the the other way around. So why why are you 
higher on Lamar Miller, if you were even aware. <laughs> <laughs> I am aware. I got, uh, yeah, Miller seems to be somebody who sticks around longer. Um, it's so funny. Like, I feel like I stay the same on these players and everybody goes wild in one direction or the other. Last year, the exact question I got over and over is, why are you so low on Lamar Miller? And I kind of just kept the same feeling about him, which is, I don't think he's a great player, but I think he's a very fast player with some really good shiftiness to him in a situation that wants to use him a lot. And for as long as he stays healthy, I think he has quite a good value and it's sort of a nice safe floor. And I am okay with him. Now, do I love him? I don't. And I have probably the fewest number of running backs in a first round that I've had in a long time. And I'm, I'm scared to death of everybody after like four. So I'm scared to death of Lamar Miller. I'm just also scared to death of everybody below him in my ranks. Yeah. Um, and so like, I think it's funny that I, not you guys, but like just the world says, Hey Harris, you're so stupid on Lamar Miller this way. And the next year they say you're so stupid on Lamar Miller the other way. And I guess people feel as though they learned something about him, maybe more information about him. But, um, I think he kind of is what he is. And I'll take that thing. I mean, he, his touchdowns were kind of artificially low last year. I, I, I would imagine yeah. just touchdowns in general. Geez, they come and go, go. It just seems unlikely to get that many touches and be a team's clear primary back and just not, and not score. And then like, if you're going to, you mentioned Howard or Ajayi, I, I just, I, I, especially Howard, like, I don't know that I think he's very good. I don't know that I think, I think I wor- I'm worried he might be Jeremy Hill. I, watch him play and i say okay there's some good vision there for sure but i don't see any acceleration and i don't see any lateral quickness and i think he maybe might have fattened up in some blowouts where they just kept handing him the ball and i i rank him nine so it's not like i don't you know I, they all make me sick but i i don't view him as any safer than lamar miller i don't i don't view jay jay is any safer than lamar miller and maybe i think miller is a slightly better talent i guess that's how i justify it to myself I haven't heard the uh, Jordan Howard, Jeremy Hill comparison yet, but now that you said that, it kind of like it perked my eyebrows up a little bit because they had a very similar rookie season in that they sort of had their breakout sort of towards the latter end of the season. Both the sort of bad teams, you know, the Bengals ended up becoming quite a lot better than what I expect the Bears to be. But I, I actually really like that comp. Um, in it, uh, Jordan Howard's a guy I tend to. Try to avoid early on in in my drafts just because of you know the the scoring offense um, and 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 all that sort of stuff. So now that I've heard that, um, I, I dig <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, and, well, and like, well, let me just say this: like, it's easy to make the counter argument. I'll counter myself. Like, yep. I'll take Jeremy Hill if he's somebody's clear primary back who's going to touch it two hundred and fifty times. Yep. I, you know, he's not going to be awesome. He's probably not going to give a high yards per carry again. Jeremy Hill might not, but. He's real. I mean, Jordan Howard's a legit power back. If he, it's a, it's a legit interior of that Chicago offensive line. So what? So he's not a super special talent. So everybody thought Spencer Ware was really dynamic, and it turned out Harris was right, and he was just another big guy. But so what? He was still valuable to me, and he's still whatever. You know, like that guy can still be good. Yeah. But you're a hundred percent right, and I think you hit on the key thing that I didn't uh, articulate well enough, which is that guy. Needs to be on a good team. Normally, he wasn't last year, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's not Jeremy Hill, but like that, the kind of the 225 pound, bruising, straight ahead, physical, touchdown making running back doesn't do you a lot of good on a crappy team. Usually, yeah. it it takes 
a better offense. He's not the he's usually not the guy leading the the sled, right? It's Legarrette Blunt last year. Nobody thinks Legarrette Blunt's good, but he was on a great offense. So that guy's great in that offense. Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather take Demarco Murray, who seems to be going in some drafts a little bit before Howard, or you can also get him a little bit later. And although I'm not really sold on taking Melvin Gordon so high, at least he plays in an offense that I know is going to put up points and have scoring opportunities. But um, you know, it's a it's an interesting part where you take those sort of four or five running backs there after after uh, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. I'm going to ask you about Kirk Cousins. I know you were low on you can you were low on Kirk Cousins last year. It, like not only as a fantasy prospect but as a, as a quarterback. Where are you now? As a with, human. As, <laughs> I mean, he talks about Creed way too much. Like, it's, <laughs> man, a bit worried about that. But, uh, you know, yeah. he is he is a massive, massive dork. I think he's probably the widest quarterback ever. Um, but where do you see him now as a, as a, not only as a fantasy prospect, but as a quarterback? Obviously, you've, you've watched his tape, uh, you know, after last season. Right. Yeah, and I watched it during last season. And and, yeah. and in the podcast, you could hear me, like, week by week, go, oh, all right, I guess I was a little too harsh. Like, no, the, the, he started very poorly. The, uh, the that cowboy game, I think it was week two or week week two, probably. Um, he threw it away. You know, he just did. He did the Kirk Cousins thing. They had they had the game winning drive going. He throws a stupid ball in the end zone, gets it picked. They lose. Pierre Garcon loses his mind and yells at him. And I just was like, Yeah, see, I'm right. Ha. And then honestly, for like two months, he didn't make a mistake. He was legitimately very good. And what can you do? You say, Okay, I mean. I may be misreading the film from the previous year. Of course, it's me, so I don't think so. I think he changed, but like six and one, half dozen the other. In the end, it was an incorrect call. I, I didn't think he'd be the starter by the end of the year. I, I saw a lot of interceptable passes that weren't intercepted in 2015, but he was terrific through most of this past season, and I think he deserves to be a low-level fantasy starter. Now, I, there's some vindication because week 15 against Carolina, it's an dead Carolina team on a Monday night coming into Washington ready to roll over and Cousins kills them plays terribly throws a bunch of stupid picks and they lose and then the unforgivable game week 17 against the Giants where the Giants literally won't throw they're just trying to run the clock out here's the ball well, they already clinched their playoff spot all Washington needs to do is win and they're in it's a, a just unforgivable and then he makes the pass at the end that ends their season and this is what I'm talking about. I just I do think the dagger lurks, but he's better than I thought, and mea culpa. <laughs> All right, we're, we're we're probably splitting hairs here, and it's you know it's probably just you know it's going to be it might be just a short answer for you, but Lev Bell over David Johnson. Is there any you know real thought behind that, or is it just you know you, you think he's just going to have a slightly better season? Yeah, it's it isn't a huge conspiracy thing, or right? I just don't weigh the holdout. I have a feeling that the holdout is the like if if you knew that he was in camp, who would you like? Who would you like more? Yeah, yeah. Well, to be honest, I don't really. It's yeah, it <laughs> is splitting hairs for me. I, maybe I, I I don't. This is a conspiracy theory. Maybe I'll play our X Files music drop here, but um, I don't know if Chris could hear that. But anyway, <laughs> um, I think he's the holdout's just him wanting to just rest. I, like, I don't think he really wants to waste his body on training camp because he's... Sure. He, he just wants to keep fresh. We've seen him come back from suspensions after some long time off, and he's just kills it when he's fresh. Like, he's just that's just the way Lev Bell rolls. So, I don't know. I, I'm not... Right. I'm I mean, not, I, yeah. I'm sure he likes money. I'm sure he wants more of it. I'm sure that's part of it. But, yeah, I'm sure it's also like, what do I need camp for? 
I know how to do this. If I'm just going to talk about who's a better player, they're both really good players. I think Le'Veon Bell's better. And if I'm going to talk about situations, I think Arizona's a good situation for David Johnson. I think Pittsburgh's better. So it's slight, um, but I don't let the holdout be a factor because I just don't think it's going to be a factor once the season's here. I think if you're a safer player, I think David Johnson, like if you you just want to be comfortable with your pick, you go with that. But if you want, you know, more, you know, you could have some more up and down games. I think Le'Veon Bell has potential to have some really monster games, but then there's also some risk with, with injury. And, and and if you are buying into the holdout, depends on, on how anyone feels about that, yeah. then you probably lean Le'Veon. In- Injury-wise, those two injuries that that hit Bell, I, anybody would have gotten hurt in those plays. They were catastrophic injuries. You know, they weren't soft tissue. They weren't a Doug Martin like, oh my arm, like you know, they it was getting hit on the knee very hard on the sideline. Anybody would have broken. So, I I uh, I don't think he's an injury prone player at all. Yep. All right, uh, some rapid fire questions. We we normally ask all of our fantasy guests uh, in the lead up to the fantasy draft season, um, and we'll fire right. them off, and then. Uh, that pretty much will do it, but we'll get you to uh, promote uh, the Almanac as well once we're done. But uh, a late-round pick or a sleeper that uh, Chris Harris finds himself owning a lot of shares in? Um, yeah, John Ross. It seems like I'm getting a ton very late in drafts. Um, it seems like I'm getting both rookie receivers. I'm getting Corey Davis. That's not late, but um, John Ross late. Uh, I, I got Alfred Morris pretty late because the uh, the Darren McFadden drafter Zeke Elliott drafter decided to play cute, so I got a little Alfred Morris too. <laughs> I like that. Um, a late round quarterback, you find yourself owning a, a lot of shares in. Um, how late is late? Tenth uh, after tenth yeah, round, I guess. After tenth. Okay. Um, I guess Ben Roethlisberger's. He. I mean, I. I again, these are experts, so it's so tough to say. Like, uh, you know, everybody in these in these. Uh, expert whatever industry type drafts everybody waits you know aaron Rodgers goes in the fifth round so it's not it's not even realistic but i am higher on roethlisberger than most um i think the whole home road thing is a bunch of hooey we could talk about that if you want um it seems to me that the fact that his knee hurt and he played six road games with his knee hurt and three home games with his knee hurt it seems to me that might be more of a factor yeah and he doesn't uh, play in a dome like he plays in Pittsburgh where it right. snows like it's not like the weather <laughs> affects right. him it's not like maybe or maybe he hates humidity and when he goes to Miami he just can't stand the heat like, I, don't, what it, I don't know what it is it's it's not what it is is nothing because yeah. he's had seasons where he was better on the road and this is the tyranny of data dives this is the worst example of data dives to me because come up with a reason why Tell me, like, I get why Drew Brees might be bad on the road. Why? Tell me why. What's the logical explanation? I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, all right. And say you're on a, uh, you know, uh, the, the latter end of a snake draft and a lot of the elite defenses have been taken. Um, is, there a, is there a defense that you like to take um, if you are one of the last teams to, to select a defense? I think I was literally the last on Saturday. I think I took Jacksonville. As a, uh, I mean, it could work out. We say it every year. They sign a bunch of free agents, and it doesn't work out. But there does feel like a, maybe a tipping point's worth of talent. Clayus Campbell's a really good player. I know he's getting older, but he's such a good player. And I, I just think there's something about Clayus Campbell that I kind of trust to not let the other knuckleheads on that, especially defensive line. You know, the, uh, I mean, I would probably say in the last thing, same thing last year about the defensive tackle from Denver. But I, Campbell for me, I mean. AJ Boye got a lot of money for one year, but if it's AJ Boye 
of last year and Jalen Ramsey on the other side. Uh, there's something there I want there to be. And Tevin Smith's really good. Like, mm. I'm I'm hopeful. I, I can drop them right away. So, uh, you know, I'm hopeful. We love Jalen Ramsey, though. Eh? Yeah, and I, lo- I like the Jacksonville picks. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's getting ahead of the curve in some of these defenses. I prefer leagues without defenses and kickers, but anyway, that's just me. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? As do I. I actually, in La Liga Lebowski, just uh, abolished kickers today. And uh, and I also put it to a vote among the league to whether we abolish team defenses. And right now it's winning 7-1. to one. So Ooh. I think we're getting rid of both in that league. <laughs> some changes. Do you, have a, do you have a scoring system that you prefer, Chris? I don't. I get asked that a fair amount, and I, I recognize that there's some difference between the two. But I'll. So the Almanac this year, I uh, took a, a listener suggestion, and I, in, instead of just giving you sort of the overall stats and kind of the cumulative sense of what it was like to own that player, I also did for each player number of top 12 finishes at their position and number of top 24 finishes at their position to get you a sense of whether the production was spread out, you know what I mean? And for running backs and wide receivers, I did both PPR and standard. And I expected that there would be some players where I was like, oh, well, in standard, he had two top 10, top 12 finishes, but in PPR, it eight, right? I expected there'd be a big split. And in fact, it was never more than like a spread of like one or two. Everybody was kind of about the same. And that's not scientifically proving that things are that it's exactly the same to play in one versus the other because we know it's not. There are running backs that are worth more in others. There are receivers that are worth more than than the other format. But yep. I don't have a preference. I, I think maybe the differences are sometimes overstated. I get credit for those receiving yards anyway in the standard league. And so I I would say I don't have a preference. I'm, I'm cool either way. I think it's fine. There you go. Uh, Chris, you did mention the Almanac, but um, please tell our listeners that haven't purchased it already – um, why it's so good, and uh, which is obvious, but um, explain it, sell it, pitch it, because um, we really appreciate you coming on and, and talking with us. I know it's sure. late over where you are, even though it's lunchtime here for us. We're about to go and get burritos, so it's it's good day for the rest of us, but um, we appreciate it. So we really want to uh, help you promote your almanac because I know you put a lot of work in, and you update it um, every couple of weeks as well, which is huge. I do. So this is a PDF. So you boys know that I was with ESPN for eight years and uh, left on very good terms. I wasn't a victim of a layoff or anything like that. Nope. I just decided I, I they made an offer and I, I they were very kind and I was kind of done. Just felt like I needed to try something else. And so I'm trying something else. And when I was with ESPN, I was the person mostly responsible for writing the player profiles that were in the print magazine that you would buy and bring into your draft back in the Stone Ages, you know, like five years ago. Um and so when I went on my own, I, I actually was uh, having a tweet up with some fans in Austin, Texas, and somebody said, I'm really going to miss your profiles. That was the first winter I was I had done the podcast. And they said, uh, it would be really cool if you could sell them. I would buy them. That would be great. And I was like, Man, I've thought about that. I've thought about digital delivery. That would help one of the really stupidly annoying things about doing that project, which was I had to write them in March to get them out into a print magazine, right? It was so you know you just I, we had a, yeah. we had a picture of Aaron Hernandez right in the oh, in no. the summer that he did you know like <laughs> it's 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 just so silly that people used to bring those print magazines that were put out in June three months later with everything different they would go in there and say here we go let's let's draft <laughs> so I acknowledged that a PDF would be the way to go theory because you could write it much later in the year but I said 
you know, I don't know if anybody's going to buy it. It's a lot of work. I'm probably not going to do it. I've thought about it. And this gentleman changed my life by saying, well, why don't you do a Kickstarter? And I was like, oh, mother bleeper. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> so, no, you suck. So I did. And I asked people to basically pre-order via Kickstarter last summer. Yep. And if I hit a certain level, then I would do it. And I hit it like in three days. So oh, wow. it was proved to me that there was demand enough. And so this is the second summer I've done it. And it's this 200 page monstrosity with like you know, 230 player profiles and no space constraints. So if I felt like writing four paragraphs about Marshawn Lynch and being funny about it, like I believe my Lynch quote is that he's not great, but in the land of the bald, the one dreadlocked man is king. Uh, so there's a lot, hopefully some good laugh lines in there and, and also just good fantasy advice. It's a fun thing to just pick up and read and have fun with, and then also learn some stuff. And, uh, there's, there's, a uh, Film grades, because I watched a lot of film to write it, so everybody has multiple A through F grades for speed and hands and power and stuff like that. I think people are getting a kick out of it. And like you said, um, it's pretty cool uh, that it's a PDF, so I'm able – I sent out the first edition to people who pre-ordered on August 1st. Uh, on August 15th or 14th, I sent out an update where all of my changes are in red, so you can see what changed and then again, August 25th, right before your draft, maybe that weekend, I'll send out one more update with all the cuts and all the, you know, all the stuff that happened in the preseason. So, yep. you know, I, I think we are to the point now where people know that they really shouldn't be drafting with outdated stuff anymore. Yeah, I I hope to give all of our fantasy league mates the uh, the March edition of all the of all the guides, <laughs> and then we'll use Chris's almanac, <laughs> and that should work really, out really really well for us. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, yeah, you can purchase that on uh, harrisfootball.com. $15, 200-plus pages. Um, thoroughly recommend it. It's great. Um, and Chris Harris, thank you very much, and we look forward to uh, having our annual Doug Martin uh, meeting with you next season. <laughs> I expect a theme song of some kind next year, but right. it was a pleasure to be on. It's very, very flattering to be asked, and uh, I'll always come anytime you guys ask. Perfect. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Chris Harris, legend. Yeah. What a day. What a day we've had today. Chris Harris, Matt Waldman, back-to-back. Feeling good. I, I just want to go. I feel like putting on the sneakers, putting on a hat, and just smashing out a couple of mock drafts. I, <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, but I'll be sitting on the train, and I'll just be like, oh, let's just do a mock. Yeah, yeah that's just happening. Let's do a mock. Yeah. It's always fun. Um, Feeling spot. By the way, if you do mocks, please stay in the lobby. Don't just... Oh, man. Or don't... Have the first pick and then just draft a kicker and then leave. Like, there are two the types people. of people in this world. People that stay in the lobby during mock drafts and morons. That's it. It's that simple. It's, there you go. It's that simple to categorize. It's the same with people that like interstellar and morons. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm taking shots at some of my friends. That's fine. That's fine. We, we do this here. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll be back uh, later next week with some more... Uh, Podcasts. Uh, People can't say they're not entertained. They yeah. can't say that. They can't. Uh, they can't say you know we don't pull out the big guns. We don't you know get the big the big name guests on the on yeah. the pod. But we're, yeah, we're, we're pulling out all the stops at the moment. We're doing Jay well. Golden Pony Boy. I should say Pony Boys because we're we're doing well. Uh, but we're going to start finishing up our fantasy content. Um, you know we we prefer to get the fantasy content from the guests, and it just gets gives us a differing opinions and, and whatnot to help us formulate ideas yep. and for you guys as well. 
about certain players, but then we'll start to roll out our, our season-long previews, AFC, NFC. Scott will be back for bold predictions again, one of our most one popular our, yeah. episodes, despite Scott being one of the most hated people in Australia. Um, <laughs> it's, always a very, <laughs> it's always a very popular episode. Oh, we just carry him. We do. <laughs> uh, no, in regards to fantasy and stuff, though, throw all your questions at us on any social media yeah, we could. We I love I love it when, you know, someone will tweet, like, you know, what do you think between these two players? Who would you pick or anything yep. like that? I love I love all those. At so, Wittenwai. Yeah. We'll on answer Twitter. every single one. Yep. That doesn't mean you tweet us 10 times. You can tweet us. <laughs> you, can, you can tweet us any questions, really. Uh, we can save them for mailbag sections when we do those. Uh, when we get enough questions, we'll, we'll, we'll throw a mailbag segment into a show. Um, it's always great. Great content. Some of the questions we get are really, really weird and wacky and and not fantasy relevant or football relevant at all, but we, we, don't we love those. Oh, they're, they're I really love really, would you rather's. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> so that's it. That's it for the show. Uh, as I said, we'll be back next week. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. You can follow me at This Is Woot. Follow the show at Woot and Why. You can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, uh, wherever else good podcasts can be listened to, and like us on Facebook, The Woot and Why Show. Yep. Not LinkedIn. Keep listening, guys. <laughs>